This is Season 5 of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Today on the show, we give you useless information, as we always do, about games people play, inventions, and sports. Plus, we'll open up the mailbag and the headline in this week's news from around the world, French statue gets removable organ to fight penis thieves. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Welcome to episode number 10. Step right up here. Step right up, folks. Don't be shy. Move it. Totally useless information with Nick and Roy present Games People Play. Well, I'll tell you the truth. If you people don't stick around until the end of this show for news around the world, I don't know what you're going to do. That's right. People have removable penises, but go on. They had to because people were stealing them. Ever wonder why on Jeopardy had to answer in the form of a question? What is what? What is Jeopardy? Well, Jeopardy was specifically designed to win back public favor after in the 1950s, they saw a wave of game shows that were fixed. Jeopardy's creator, Merv Griffin, yeah, that guy, Merv Griffin, he told his wife that audiences thought networks simply gave contestants the answers. Well, she said, well, why didn't you just give them the answers? She said that contestants can lose money every time they ask the wrong question. That'll put them in Jeopardy. And that's how they came up with the concept of Jeopardy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I watched a movie about that. The guy's name was Professor Van Dorn. They gave him all the answers, and there was such a phenomenon, and then they found out that that was faked. It was a good movie, very good movie. When Ravio launched the game Angry Birds, they included a villainous, sniffling pig as a nod to the fact that swine flu, the swine flu epidemic had hit. Oh. And they said, let's make one of the characters a pig, like swine flu, that the birds can get all angry on and kill. The epidemic was going around at the time. They may have also predicted another epidemic, bird flu. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so we're going to stick with, uh, with Jeopardy here. Merv Griffin, the creator of both Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, by the way, which is nothing more than glorified hangman, right? That's what Wheel of Fortune is. Yeah, Wheel of Fortune sounds like me having to buy my wife a car. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Wheels of Fortune. Well, he composed a theme song in less than 30 seconds. He receives royalties from it for the rest of his life. And I remember watching uh-huh. him being interviewed by Larry King. And Larry King asked him the question, you know, so how did you come up with the theme song? And Merv Griffin yeah. said, well, I just kind of sat at my piano and then went da, 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 and he started to sing it. And then Larry King is about to ask the next question. And then Merv Griffin goes, no, hold on. Da, and he finished the song. Da, 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 da. He goes, good. I just made more money on that. He just and Larry King said, what is music? <laughs> yeah, what is music? Anyway, yes, so Merv Griffin received royalties from it for the rest of his life and estimated, according to the New York Times, it made him around 70 to $80 million. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Yes. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. The number of permutations in a deck of cards, and I use that word permutations because of my classical education. It's eight, and I'll get to the point. It's eight to 10 to the 67th power. 
That means there are more card combinations, which is what a permutation is. It's card combinations in a deck of cards than there are stars in the Milky Way. So next time you're at a casino, don't. Just don't <laughs> walk in. Think about this. The number of stars in the Milky Way, right? But the number of permutations is 400 billion combinations in one deck of cards. Wow. Can you imagine going on to a blackjack table where they have three decks? And sometimes we don't play with a full deck. We've never played with a full deck, no. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just the jokers as you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. So we mm -hmm. know that classic game Family Feud. And the mm -hmm. great, uh, the late great Richard Dawson survey said, when members right, and of it was invented by Merv Griffin. No, no it wasn't. When <laughs> actually, it was uh, Mark Goodson. Anyway, when members of the public answered Family Feud's phone surveys, they weren't told that they would be used for the show. The mm. show employs an outside polling firm for its surveys, and each participant is asked thirty or forty questions per phone call but they're never told it's for Family Feud. It seems that laparoscopic surgeons that grew up playing video games at least three hours a week yeah. fare much better in surgeries than those who didn't or older laparoscopic surgeons. It seems that playing the game, the, the motory functions of using the controller gives them better functioning on the laparoscopic devices, which are small manipulating devices. In fact, 37% fewer errors in surgery. Can you even imagine that? When they do make an error and somebody dies, instead of flatlining and hearing boop, right. they hear burp, 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 burp. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess they started uh, practicing on the game operation. <laughs> <laughs> when the guy's nose goes red there's something wrong right. have you ever seen the game show uh cash cab where people go into a cab and they have to answer trivia questions yes yes so it's called cash it's a cab. great it's a, it's a really good show it's fun well not everyone wanted to play when they realized they climbed into the cash cab right so according to the host bailey recalled that one person quickly exited after explaining that he couldn't play the game because he was part of the witness protection program and could not appear on TV. Oh, my God. Another great. couple refused to participate because, according to what they told them, they were not exactly a couple, if you know what I mean. Oh, my God. That's the guy right. was like, you can't do this. This isn't my wife. That's right. There you go. I just picked this girl up on two blocks away. Oh, my God. That's terrible. That's right. So he couldn't appear on the show because, well... A lot more trouble. He'd be uh, winning a lot more than cash. I have a different show. It's called Credit Card Uber. Did you know uh -huh. there was a board game that was released in 1973? Now, look it up, folks. It was called the BP Offshore Oil Strike. And it was a game where players got into the game to raise money. And the first player that raised $120 million in revenue from oil sales won the game. It was kind of like Monopoly with an oil rig. Well, in 2010, the BP Deepwater Horizon oil rig exploded. Oh, Now, let me just give you a little context. 1973 game, if you ran out of money, your oil rig exploded. Wow. <laughs> it was one of the prerequisites to the game. 
19, in 2010, though, the Deepwater Horizon did explode, killed 11 people, and cost BP over $40 million in cleanup costs. Jeez. So Needless the, to say, bah, 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 bah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. So the game actually um, emulated what actually happened in real life. That was pretty slick on their part. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> slick. <laughs> pretty slick on their part. <laughs> yeah, slick. slick. I got that one. Nick. You're listening. Yeah, you're pretty slick too. You're listening to totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Innovation, ideas. The totally useless information podcast presents. Inventions. I'm going first. How's that? Absolutely. Okay. I like that. Alexander, Alexander Fleming was a young scientist. Yeah. A little overworked. So he decided to go on vacation. And when he came back, he noticed that he had never covered some of the Petri dishes, which contained staph infection. Oh. And those Petri dishes had grown a mold on them. The mold was called penicillin notutum. The mold had killed off the staph infection. Wow. Fleming looked at it and said, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I left a damn mess here. No, he said, what the hell happened here? Yeah. He used that mold on staph infection again to realize that he had invented something. Not really invented it. He just witnessed it. And it was penicillin that we know of today. It's the mold called penicillin notutum. And it was around before, but nobody knew it did that. Yeah, that's amazing. That's pretty cool. In 1812, Tabitha Babbitt was living in a Shaker community and working as a weaver. Is she related to Lorena Bobbitt? No, that's, that's <laughs> something different. She invented something else. Uh, Babbitt watched people struggling to cut wood. Well, maybe she was no, related. No, see, maybe she is related. It's a Bobbitt. wood. There you go. Lorena Bobbitt <laughs> chopped some wood. She watched some people struggling to cut wood with a pit saw, which is required, you know, two users only to cut in one direction. I don't know what that is, but go ahead. <laughs> I know what a pit saw is. Yeah, when you, you need two people, one on each side to uh, to use it. Well, she yeah. was determined she had to help these people, these poor people who couldn't exactly cut their wood, so to speak. She mm -hmm. attached a circular blade to her spinning wheel and invented uh. the circular saw. Oh, very smart. Very smart. There you go. She was yeah. a cut above the rest. In 1998, Pfizer company was working on a pill to help stabilize angina petrialis or spasming of the heart. The study, they studied the effects on people and the drug failed. It did not stabilize angina petrialis. But every man in the study noticed that they still had the angina that was the same but that they all experienced extremely prolonged and sometimes painful erections. Oh. Yes. Thus, Viagra was born. And today, there is 600,004 pills every day. 600,000 pills. Wow. I bet you okay. the stock prices keep going up every day. It's not just the stock prices going up, Nick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> in 1975 they've erected they've erected a sign about this <laughs> they, well. did, sure they did <laughs> make sure it was on the level ellen fritz in 1875 well she was a tutor here in canada when she designed a globe mount that could display the earth's daily rotation in relation to the path of the sun not only by day and night but also throughout the year and therefore 
The globe, the spinning globe, was created, was invented by Ellen Fitz. Oh, cool. Insulin was invented in Toronto, Canada. Yep. I think you had brought that up. In 1920, it was invented in Toronto, Canada. But the work began in 1889 to find out what the pancreas did in the body. In 1889, they really had no idea what the pancreas really did. They removed a pancreas from a dog, and two days later, they noticed that flies were gathering all around the dog's urine when he was going to the bathroom. Oh, When they tested the urine, they found super high levels of sugar in the urine. It's then that they realized that the pancreas secretes a thing called insulin, which regulates the sugar intake in your body and from that many years later in canada they invent the synthetic insulin well as we speak um up here in canada we have uh something really neat it's called canada's walk of fame and it's basically recognizing people from all basically like three feet long no 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 it's not it's it, it's really an, an amazing uh, there's a nomination process it's really an amazing eclectic mix of of canadians from all walks of life all kinds of industries and whatnot and uh, you mentioned you know the the guys who invented penicillin up here in toronto so frederick grant banting has just been inducted into the canadian walk of fame um just a little while ago here not too long here in toronto and there's a whole ceremony and and uh, all kinds of neat stuff so uh, timely that you brought up uh, Mr. Bunting here on Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Mm. She was known as a two-bagger. <laughs> you know that line. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret Knight invented a paper bag-making machine. Okay, that's the paper bag when it sits, you know, there's a square at the bottom and it sits upright, right? Sure. They call that a gossage, but go ahead. A man named Charles Anon tried to steal her idea and receive credit for the patent. Huh. Knight did not give in and instead took him to court. While hmm. Anand argued simply that, quote, a woman could never design such an innovative machine, Knight hmm. displayed actual evidence that she had invented and that would belong to her. And as a result, Margaret Knight received her patent in 1871. And bags of money. Yes, and lots of bags of money. Could you imagine the judge? If a lawyer's name was Mr. Day, Mr. Yeah. Day, are you representing Mrs. Knight? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Who's speaking now, day or night? <laughs> <laughs> he spent day and night in court. Yes. And put right, a... I'm going to do some quick invention facts. Okay, go ahead. The watch was invented by Peter Heinlein of Nuremberg, Germany in 1510. Mm. Peter Heinlein invented the watch in 1510. The first mass-produced toothbrush was invented by William Addis in 1780 in England of all places one place they don't use the toothbrush properly shout out to those people who are listening to totally use this information and the best the best one of all yes the parachute was invented in 1515 wow it was Drawn up in 1515 by one man, Leonardo da Vinci. Wow. I wonder That's who. That's a cool. It is, and he wore parachute pants apparently. In 1951, Bette Nesmith Graham went from secretary to millionaire. First marketed as Mistake Out, Graham's homemade typewriter correction fluid was an instant hit. Was an instant. <laughs> 
It was an maybe you need some whiteout to help you out. <laughs> I can whiteout. We, we need correction fluid in this segment. Maybe you should drink some correction. That's fluid. right. I think so. <laughs> Sniff it, baby. First marketed as mistake out like this program, Graham's homemade typewriter correction fluid was an instant hit among her fellow secretaries. After further experimentation, she, she actually perfected her recipe and liquid paper was born. She oh. and of course they marketed it as whiteout. She right. was the mother and of the musician and producer Michael Nesmith of the Monkees. No, yes. don't tell me that. That's the one, folks. That's right. So Bet Nesmith Graham is the mother of Michael Nesmith of the Monkees. She invented oh. whiteout. Oh. Wow. Go. They took the last train to Clarksville to get there. <laughs> they did. <laughs> you know why? Sounds because like, sounds like Nick took the last to get us that. <laughs> you know what? Because you know, you know, she was successful because she was a believer. <laughs> you know, wrote that song. Who? Neil Diamond. Neil, Neil Diamond. Diamond. There you go. Most of the monkeys' music was written by Neil Diamond. As you're listening to totally useless information with Nick and Roy. <laughs> For those of you who've listened to the show, know that Roy has played tennis in his life many, many times for many years, haven't you? I actually played tennis in high school, if you remember. That's right. For the tennis team. That's right. He was on the tennis team. And uh, every year on April 6th, it's World Table Tennis Day. Table tennis. So it's not exactly like tennis, but it's a, it's a smaller table with a smaller net and smaller balls. That's what I wanted to get to, really. It's also a day to encourage people around the world to get involved in this sport. Another name for this tennis uh, table tennis game, of course, is ping pong. Mm -hmm. Some people all also know this sport as whiff waff. I'll tell you the truth. If you watch table tennis, professional table tennis, it's wild. It's so fast. Well, it's based on tennis, of course, and that's why I asked you if you play tennis. So table tennis is played indoors, as we know, and use the small paddles and a small ball. The, now, here are some of the benefits of playing table tennis. Improves reflexes, improves hand-eye coordination, mm. tones the core muscles as well as the upper and lower bodies, provides a great cardio workout when you think about it. You're talking about how fast the game goes, and it burns True. calories. Did you ever see ping pong being played at an old folks' home? <laughs> no. Not exactly fast. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't have a paddle. I'm using a Ritz cracker. Hey, wait a minute. Where's my chief? We sounded like those two guys um, on the Muppets, right? Um, uh, Waldorf. And what was the other guy's name? I forget. Statler. And they, were named Stat and they were named after hotels. Somebody's put applesauce on my ping pong ball. <laughs> we're doing sports here on Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Good. What's the, that's it? That's it. That's it. That's, I just wanted to tell you about the whiff waff. In 1971, the Pittsburgh Pirates made history by playing nine players. That's not a big deal. Nine players get out on the baseball field. Yeah. But all the players were black or Latino. Oh. They also won the World Series that year in Wait. 1971. That was, first yeah. To have an all black and Latino squad on the field. And they, won the, and they won the World Series in 71. That's pretty cool. Yes. Awesome. 
National Golf Lovers Day on October the 4th provides an opportunity for golf enthusiasts to swing down the fairway at least one more time during the season because, you know, October is pretty late in most of uh, North America in the season. But anyway, while celebrating the day, you might notice it's sometimes also referred to as National Golf Day. Since 1952, the PGA has held a charity event each year for National Golf Day, which is held on different days each year. The modern game of golf may have originated in the 15th century in Scotland. However, it is unclear and very much debated as to its ancient origin, so the jury is still out on that one. The world's oldest golf tournament is the Open Championship. Its first tournament played on October 17, 1860 at Prestwick Golf Club in Ayrshire, Scotland. There you go. National Golf Day. Oh, wow. Bart! Diego Maradona was a famous soccer player, but he's most famous for something else rather than soccer. You know what it is? Oh, but he's a huge, uh, huge soccer uh, star. Yeah, what is it? Yeah, well, he tested positive for cocaine in 1991 and 1994. Oh. Yes. And he decided not to quit cocaine. No, no, no. Instead... He put a plastic penis filled with clean urine over his own penis so he could pass the drug test. Oh. He was the first guy who fooled them by using a prosthetic penis filled with clean urine. Okay? He liked it so much he kept it on. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Well, as we mentioned earlier in the show, coming up on news from around the world, a French statue gets a removable organ to fight penis thieves. Well, Diego Maradona had a removable organ long before that. That's right, he so did. There you go. So the French don't really invent anything. No. <laughs> the Philippines has competed in the most Summer Olympics, 20 of them, without winning any gold medals at all. Nothing. Nothing. No gold medals. But they go anyway. You got to give them that, right? Liechtenstein, or I'm sorry, did I say that right? Liechtenstein! <laughs> has competed in the most Summer Olympics, 16 of them, without winning any medals. But it doesn't matter because Deutschland, Deutschland, we go every year, we have a beer and a pretzel, and who cares, maybe we get some medals. <laughs> yeah, and they all wore lederhosen. If not, we drive on the Autobahn and puts the pedal to the metal. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Most athletes are at their best when they're rested and come out ready for the match. They might warm up a little bit, but they don't want to use it all up, so they, they save it for the match. But surprisingly, in one sport, track athletes in track and field tend to break records later on in the afternoon when their body temperatures reach the highest point and they've actually made multiple attempts. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's the one sport where working the hell out of yourself all day, you break the record at the end of the day. Well, it was well worth it, I think. Well worth the wait. Uh, Not like baseball where a pitcher throws like eight balls and he, he, then he goes back to the bullpen or something. Well, what a, what a wacky coincidence. As you know, um, here on Totally Uses Information with Nick and Roy, Roy and I don't rehearse this at all. What a great segue. My last sport item here is about baseball. <laughs> and 
If you notice, when a team has three, you know, they've reached three outs and the inning is over and they go towards the dugout, usually, mm-hmm. um, and the first baseman, if the last out was at first base, he throws the ball into the stands because it's a souvenir for a fan, which is kind of cool. Right. But then as he's walking to the dugout, somebody from inside the dugout throws him another baseball. And, might, and one might think, well, wait a minute. Why did he get rid of that baseball? He could just hold on to it. But why does he need a baseball, glo- a baseball in his glove to begin with? Well, here's the reason why. In the next inning, when they go out to defend, they go back on the field, the first baseman starts the warm-ups on the infield. So he uses that baseball Uh-oh. to throw to second base and shortstop and so on while the pitcher is warming up before the, the next inning begins. So that's why, even though he's gotten rid of a ball as a souvenir, which is kind of cool, they also throw him another baseball to start the warm-ups at the beginning of the next inning. Okay, so you say, why did he throw it to the people? Oh, it's a souvenir, right? And right. me and Nick do not discuss what we say on oh, this show. Okay. Get ready for how coincidental this is. What is the average lifespan of a major league baseball? <laughs> Can you even believe that that's my next one? That's I believe so cool. it. It is. Okay, this blew my mind. And now you kind of understand why they're constantly throwing them to the fans. But literally, the average lifespan of a Major League Baseball in the game is five to seven pitches. That's it. Yeah, because either it's hit out as a foul ball into the stands or the umpire takes it and puts in a new ball. Right. And so on. And so they're just constantly using up balls throughout the entire game. They're, they're constantly worried and they're playing with different balls all the time. They are. Well, if, if a ball goes into the dirt, if the pitcher throws the ball into the dirt, you'll notice that they'll throw that ball out right away because the, there's the ball, there's some debris on the ball, and, and it affects the way that it's, it's a lot of physics involved in it, right? And a quick shout-out to the Toronto Blue Jays. The baseball season has ended for the Toronto Blue Jays, but they had an incredible year. Shout-out to them. They had, like, so many records broken, both franchise and major league records. So congratulations to the Toronto Blue Jays. 2021, let's see what happens in 2022. Yeah, you know, it's amazing, too, when you congratulate a team that lost. That's right. <laughs> okay. I don't watch baseball. Congratulations to the Toronto. If you indulge, have a great if you could just indulge me for a moment here, let me tell you some of the, the great stuff. Three Toronto Blue Jays were named mm-hmm. starters in the 2021-2021 Major League All-Star Game, the most since 1993 Blue Jays history. Wow. In their 22-7 and victory, they won the game 22-7 to over the Baltimore Orioles on September the 12th. Loris Gurriel Jr. hit a franchise record for the most grand slams in a season with four. In fact, in that game, two grand slams were hit by the Blue Jays. They won 22-7. to It seemed more like a oh, football score. Okay, That's a route. They tied the all-time record and became the only ninth team ever to have seven players to reach 20 home runs. And finally, Marcus Simeon, the second baseman, set a new all-time season home run record in Major League history for a second baseman. He hit 46 home runs. So, yes. You're going to have to bear with me because I know nothing about baseball. You know, Nick, I don't watch baseball. Who is in the lead then? It was the Tampa Bay Rays who won the division. Uh, But in the uh, meantime, uh, you go to our (laughs) website, nickandroy.com. You can send us an email. What was that website again? nickandroy.com triple w www.nickandroy.com you don't have to say triple w just say nickandroy.com that's all that's all they need what's in the mailbag what's in the mail 
All right. Go ahead, Nick. Paul from you Ajax. Pick, you pick one. Paul, you have a Paul? I have a Paul from Ajax, Ontario. What did you get? This show is insane. Is. I've got Paul from Lansing, Michigan. But this is Paul from Ajax, Ontario, writes, Dear Nick and wow. Roy, I love listening to your show in my car in my commute to Toronto. I find your length is perfect for the trip. I think. <laughs> I think well, thank you, Paul. <laughs> I think he's referring to the length. I don't of normally our show. go that way, so to speak, but we'll thank you for that. Well, comment. our show is usually <laughs> hover in and around. It's it's between thirty-five and forty-five minutes. So, thank you, Paul. We are glad that we're able to fulfill your length and V. My question for you is this: Where did the expression "it's in the can" come from? Oh, here we go. And I thought, well, maybe because <laughs> he's like, he's sitting this in the guy's enjoying our length. Right. And he wants to know where did this, this saying come from? What's in the can? It's no, it's in the can. I got an idea of where Paul's going here. No, so we don't. No, you drive. don't. Well, Paul, thanks for your email, regardless of what Roy's saying right now. Where is he, where is he from? Ajax, Ontario. So this is oh, my okay, friend. Cool. This is my friend you're talking about here, okay? Paul, thanks for your email, really. This usage it's in the can came it originated in filmmaking to describe a completed motion picture when film was literally put into a can or a canister for transportation so if it's in the can the job is done mm. and it came from the filmmaking of uh, completed motion pictures in the filmmaking industry so there you go paul you Thank know you. i got an opportunity to um most people don't know that i've made a movie but I, I got an opportunity to go up into movie theaters where the projection room is. Oh, cool. And I was amazed to find out that the average film, now everything's done on video, but the average film back then came in, the reason they needed projectionists was because the film came in four or five different cans. And they had to literally run them on two different projectors. And they do it so seamlessly that you don't see when the second projector starts and, and it edits into the next reel. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's in the can. Yeah. Well, Paul from Lansing, Michigan, not to be mistaken with Nick's friend, Paul, from wherever the hell Ajax, he is. Ajax. It's really clean out there. <laughs> <laughs> You'd fit in really good there, Nick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you look like Mr. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes, with my follically challenged forehead. I know. Go to nickandroy.com. Check out my picture. If you want to advertise yeah. on my forehead, nickandroy.com. There you go. Paul from Lansing, Michigan says, get ready, Nick. I'm pissed at you guys. Uh-oh, why? This is how he leads off. I had to. I was intrigued. You, hold on. You say excuse something. me. I thought he's some psychopath. Wait a minute. Usually they say, hey, guys, we love listening to your show. Thank you. Like really nice things. And he started off with, how did he start off again? And we get a few psychos that tell us we were wrong about something. And from time to time, we're wrong. I think in, in a year, we were wrong once. That's 99.999. Right. We're doing all right. Useless. <laughs> no, yeah. But Paul from Lansing, Michigan says, I'm pissed at you guys. My wife listens to your show at night at bedtime. You guys are killing my love life. <laughs> yeah, Paul. Yeah, we're, we're killing it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, Paul. Just the simple fact that the totally useless information show is more exciting to your wife than you. <laughs> who's useless? That, who's useless now, Paul? Huh? It speaks volumes for what you produce in the bedroom. <laughs> That's right. And you're blaming us. Come on. So, so Paul, I do want to say to your wife, thank you. Paul goes on to say that she's on your website 
and listened to probably about 80 shows uh-huh. so far. Yeah. So I would like to thank Mrs. Paul from <laughs> Lansing, Michigan, yeah. for being a faithful listener to thank our you. show. That's right. And Paul, well, there's about 100 episodes. So in 20 more episodes, maybe you'll get something. So That's stick right. around. There you go. <laughs> As you're listening to Totally Useless Information... We've broken up more marriages. <laughs> with Nick and Roy. And now, for something completely useless. How much saliva do we have? Buckets. Well, <laughs> you may find that your mouth gets a little dry when you're nervous. Well, how about on most days, you can produce about one liter of saliva in the course Ew. of a day. That's gross. No, it's useless. You oh, can that's... produce about one liter of saliva in the course of a day. My grandmother used to use that saying, I could spit. <laughs> okay. Did she usually direct no, that at she you? She used it for everything. Oh, okay. Too. I'm so angry I could spit. Well, she had a liter of saliva to, to spit out, I guess. I wish she was around. She could tell me and I could put it on the show. Yeah. I got to look that up. I'm so angry I could spit. There you go. I don't know what, but I will tell you my useless fact. Yeah. I love this one, guys. Get your pen ready, because this is a cool one. If you open your eyes in a pitch black room, yeah, you're actually seeing a color, and it has a name. It's called Eigengru. E-I-G-E-N-G-R-A-U. Eigengru. Right is the name of the black color because it's not totally black. It's like a grayish black. Right. That's the name of the color that you see when you open your eyes in a room that has virtually no light in it. How do you spell that? E-I-G-E-N-G-R-A-Y. Eigengrew. Eigengrew. Okay, it kind of grows on you. Well, today on the show, we talked about games people play. We talked about inventions. We talked about sports. It's time for the news. Oh, no. From around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. Here's the headline. French statue gets removable organ to fight penis thieves. A town Mm -hmm. in southwest France has come up with a solution to stop thieves pinching the penis of the statue in the park. They're penis pinchers? Yes. The seat, no, no, but meaning they they lifted them, like they removed just them. Just statues, or do they pinch other people's penis? No, just the statue. The seaside like, is town, this like a problem there? Because I may go to France and I don't want to go walking through the park and have my penis pinched. It's been a long running problem. There are three it's meters. Bad enough, my peepee was brushed in the last episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> there are three meters statue of Greek mythology's divine hero Hercules. Three meters? How long is that? No, no, three. Me- what's the uh, nine feet? Nine. There's a nine foot penis hanging off no, the statue. No, no, no. It's the statue of of Hercules is nine feet. The statue's nine oh, feet. Oh, he's yeah. got a nine foot. That's penis. right. This statue. Was I, a- I would imagine that. Hercules, the statue of her, of this divine hero Hercules was the statue was erected in 1948. That's the problem. They <laughs> erected it and it went to nine feet. It was probably nine inches when it started. It keeps getting his penis removed by vandals. It's only now that this is the systemic issue. In words of the mayor, Nick, I'm it, so confused. Was it originally a screw off penis, or did they just lop the concrete <laughs> off? 
<laughs> sure, there's no information here in this in this story. But but the mayor says that they found a solution. I ah. wouldn't want anyone, not even my worst enemies, the mayor said, to go through what happens to this statue. No. So they've come up with the idea of a removable prosthetic that can be attached to the main body for special ceremonies in the park. Uh, So when ceremonies happen, they screw the new penis in? That's right. The new dimensions, by the way, of the prosthetic penis remains on... new dimensions. It sounds like neuter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Bob Barker. Uh, The new dimensions of the prosthetic penis remains unknown because they don't want to give out too much information. Yeah, well, they're going to probably gratify Hercules now. I would like to know how big the original penis was. Not that I'm interested in the size of the penis. I just want to know how big of a penis these people like to pinch. Because (laughs) if I go to France and I'm walking through the park, they may look and say, there's a penis to pinch. Right. (laughs) Instead of being a penny pincher, a penis pincher. There's a lot of them there, Nick. There are. <laughs> so according to the local paper, they've reached that's out. That's where I, that's, now I get it. I'm sorry to interrupt you again. Yeah. But you walk through the park and they say, do you speak French? And I say, wee oui, wee. Oui. And they go, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what happens. Anyway, they've reached out to the local authorities to figure out exactly what, how. What... They reached out. <laughs> they reached out and pinched the people. They reached out to the local authorities to find the proper, the new dimensions of the prosthetic penis. But why didn't they just find the penis pincher and then leave a full penis on there for the whole time? We're not sure. Here's one thing I do know for sure, 100%, that we are totally oh, out of... Um, wait one second now. What, what? I've got it. I'm going to call the mayor of France. Yeah. And I'm going to say to him, all he needs to do is create an inflatable penis. <laughs> really? And when they have, like, things in the park, they hit a button and... <laughs> up goes the penis standing very proud for hercules and, and in, then an night, inflatable and deflatable exactly and then at night they can probably make a fortune people will come to videotape it'll go <laughs> yes well thank goodness for this this is all the time that we have totally useless information with nick and roy we will continue to scour the internet and other sources to find useless information for you guys for next week how do you feel about this uh mayor bobbit <laughs> mayor bobbit it's probably the mayor chopping the penis off rowing listen tell a friend about this show this show's nuts And we're listened to all over the world. And we thank you so much. We thank you for sharing it on Facebook. We thank you for telling people to listen. Thanks to everybody that sends in mail. And thanks for spending some time with us. And remember to tell a friend about the trend. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of NickAndRoy.com. Visit NickAndRoy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts.